Ladies and gentlemen, it's a Conference USA Report podcast. Uh, yeah, so it's been a while. It's been a long while, and I do uh, apologize for that. Uh, I know there's a handful of y'all listening. Um, and I appreciate you. Uh, you know, Conference USA Report is kind of in a weird spot right now. Uh, as you know, we we try to we I'll say we tried to. We went to a membership funding model, and then and then all of a sudden they're going to blow up Conference USA. I'm like, how many people are out here going to pay for this thing? Uh, if this conference, this league is no more, right? It, it kind of feels um, like we're in a weird situation. Uh, you know, it, it's funny to hear fans openly pine for the next opportunity. You know, uh, the they're acting like they're playing for for promotion, right? If you follow soccer at all, like, oh man, if we get these wins, then the AAC will love us, or something like this. Um, you know, so let's not get too much into conference realignment right now, uh, simply for the fact that uh, you know it's it's convoluted and we don't really know too much other than the Big Twelve is looking at some at some squads, right? It was like Houston, BYU, Cincinnati, and like UCF or something like that. Um, and so then that, in theory, would mean that some Conference USA teams and probably some Sunbelt teams would get a look, a little look-see. Um, I think the, the landscape has changed in recent years, uh, whereas it used to be that, you know, like TV rights or TV markets sort of dictated, you know, um, you know, like what programs were going to be taken. And some of that was like, you know, the, the rationale for, um, you know, getting like North Texas and, and like UTSA into Conference USA. Like, well, they'll bring a San Antonio in the Dallas market, you know, and, you know, with mixed results, we'll say. Uh, whatever the case, whatever it is, the league is playing some football right now, right? And coming off a a poor year, let's say, right, where like nobody won in the bowl games, um, you know, there was there was a lot of poor efforts across the board. UAB won the title, yeah, but uh, I mean, it's not like they were dominant, um, you know. And so, like Marshall fired their coach after going to the title game. There was just a lot of that stuff, a lot of weirdness. Um, so we're back. New season. We we talked about our power rankings. People have already complained about our power rankings. So uh, I think they had the intended effect. It means that people read them, right? And they, they looked at them. Uh, I haven't broke down the the power rankings uh, for this week. I mean, I think we're gonna see some some shuffles here and there. Uh, but let, let's go through the league. And I, I want to mention because I didn't talk about this before. UTEP beat New Mexico State thirty to three, right? Like a UTEP getting a little win. And, uh, I mean, what's there to say about this game uh, so much other than, uh, you know, it happened? And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's always a weird thing when, like, UTEP plays New Mexico because I feel like UTEP is a little bit more New Mexican than they are Texan. And I think they would agree <laughs> if you talk to, uh, to a UTEP fan. Um, you know, they... There were some good things, you know, they obviously scoring 30 points is better than not. But there's a lot of that, uh, you know, how good is this team at all, you know? Like they put up 452 yards, but it was not an impressive 452, if you can say that, right? You know, just kind of like, well, I guess I guess that's good. Like in modern football 452 is it's kind of solid. It's like the old 250 maybe uh in previous years. Um but they won. So shout out to UTEP. This is uh, Dana Demmel's deepest team, his best team. Uh, and so far through two games, right, they, they played Bethune-Cookman, uh, you know, just to, to spoil the, the recap show, I guess. And they didn't play very well. Uh, they, they won 38-28. But, I mean, that's – you're allowed 28 points to Bethune-Cookman, one. And you only scored 38 against Bethune-Cookman, two, right? And uh, I'm looking for the final – numbers here and I want to say uh, did they get over 500 yards? No. UTEP 472 in this game. It looked rough there for a long period of time. Not good. Anyway. Coffee time. 
Let's talk some more. Um, how do you guys want to do it? The most exciting games? The uh, Just break them down as they're in front of me right here. We can do that, too. Uh, we can start from the, I guess, Wednesday, the Wednesday game, right? UAB, 31 nothing winners over Jacksonville State, the Gamecocks. I criticized some of the UAB performance in this one. I think I got a little, little uh, disappointment. Like, ah, well, you know, I thought we did well. I thought we did pretty good. You know, if you look at this, that, and the other. Um, I, I get, it's good to, to, I guess, explain my thinking here, right? I think that UAB is good. They are the best, the best team in the league. Uh, they put up, uh, was it 518 yards in this game against 155 against Jacksonville State. That 155 allowed, I think that's more, um, I'm just writing down a note to myself, that 155 allowed is more um, expected than the 518. Uh, they put up 371 yards passing. That's something we've seen from UAB before, UAB before right? Uh, they'll throw it. When they when it's there, they don't force it. Um, but you know, you only had the thirty-one points at uh, when was it like uh, the twenty-four points into the third quarter? You scored your thirty-first point in five minutes left in the game. And while that's a dominating win overall, and there's nothing to be ashamed of there, it gives us an indication of where this team is. It's not like UAB is taking a leap. They're the same team that's there. And now you might be saying, well. Look, buddy, I tell you what, we uh, we won, you know, two titles playing this way, and I don't disagree with you. I am not disagreeing with you, but I think everybody has to get better relative to where you are, right? Um, you know, uh, I got a I got a couple kids. One one's reading, and the other one's you know learning how to count, right? I'm I'm not gonna drop a you know David Foster Wallace book in front of them, say you know this is what you need to be doing, but at the same time, I'm not gonna just be giving them a round of applause, uh, applause for reading their own name, right? They, they're at different levels, and once you say that was good, you've done well, now let's get a little bit better, right? Let's develop our program. UAB has won with defense, running, and timely playmaking in the, pl- in the past game for a few seasons now. That's good. I think uh, it, it would behoove them when they think about other competitions – other, uh, you know, opponents, how are they going to compete against those squads, right? UAB has not really done that well non-conference, and that's where they have to look, right? They, they got to figure out how to beat those teams. And by my estimation, um, this kind of offense ain't going to do it. But whatever, that, leave that aside. UAB is still the best team in this league. They're still good. They're very deep. They can run the ball. And they have guys that can make plays when it, when it matters, you know, so there you go. Thursday, FIU, 48, 10 winners over, uh, um, what was it, Long Island State? That's just kind of a weird, you know, I, I didn't even know Long Island University was a thing. But cool, you know, FIU jumps out, 21-0 lead. Uh, you know, not much to say about this one. Uh, I, I, I'll be honest, I didn't watch too much of it. Uh, 300 yards rushing for FIU, just a lot of we're better, deeper than you, and we showed it, 577 total yards. Uh, Long Island had like 291, I think it was like uh, 200 yards passing or something like that. You know, overall, good, because FIU was in a uh, in a bad place last season. And I said there's some question marks about how good they're going to be, where they're going to, uh, you know, how they're going to compete in this league. Um, questions about the coach, right? Uh, Butch Davis, can he do what they brought him in to do? And um, I, this is a good one, right? It doesn't really tell anybody anything, but I think it builds a little momentum, makes everybody feel a little bit better. Uh, that one's on ESPN. Try to get a notification. Uh, if you want to go rewatch that one. Uh, Thursday, also Thursday, right? 7 p.m., Western Kentucky. This is the game I tuned in for. I didn't watch that FIU game too closely. Um, because I was excited to see the Hilltoppers and their new offense, right? Uh, was it Kitley, the new offensive coordinator? Um, he had uh, Bailey Zappi out there, uh, you know, ready to sling it to to the Stearns brothers. Basically, they just said, man, that Houston Baptist, um, 
you know, offense is great. How about they do that over here in Bowling Green, Kentucky? What do you say? Well, it started out with an interception and some poor throws, and I think uh, UT Martin came out. Uh, former USM and Tulane quarterback Keon Howard out of Laurel, Mississippi. Uh, he went out there and made some plays. Uh, he threw a touchdown pass. And, you know, for a second there, you're like, oh, man, uh, is is Western Kentucky going to have a have an issue with, uh, with an FCS team to start the season again? Uh, well, it didn't happen. Seven touchdown passes for um, for Bailey Zappi as they, they kind of got in rhythm. You can see some shakiness there, um, a little hesitation. I think it was an interception. It was like an underthrown pass. I think, and I mentioned this um, to somebody else. I forget who it was. But basically, I, I think what you can see here is that the execution's there. That, one, you got short memory, right? Through an interception, didn't get down, nothing like that. I was like, right, well, time to keep playing. And, you know, you see sort of the, the uh, he's a competitor. And I know these are generic terms and oft overused. But what I mean by that is that, like, he knows he's going to go out there and compete, right? It's time to go play. Um, and an interception just means, well, I'm losing this hand. I got another hand to play. We're going to keep playing. We're going to keep competing. That kind of thing. Um, he doesn't get really phased out there, and I think that's good. Uh, the defense didn't really didn't really show up to the level that we need Western Kentucky to Kentucky's defense to show up this season. Um, I expect them to be a little bit better. They allowed 21 points, but uh, I mean, you know, UT Martin uh, apparently uh, they can they can move the ball a little bit. Overall. It was at 478 passing, uh, Bailey Zappi, uh, doing lots of good things. And I, every program has some, something like a, like a soul, right? Western Kentucky won a couple championships, throwing the ball around and being entertaining on offense, right? And I think for them, like having a crushing defense and a powerful running game like they've had the last couple seasons, or at least tried to, right, in the running game department, hasn't been – as exciting for them. It's not really what they are about. And you see a lot of tweets like, yep, just like we did in 2016 or just like we used to. Man, it feels like old times. Um, you know, Western Kentucky has something like a history of big-time offense, right? Uh, and getting Bailey Zappi and getting back to that is a step towards doing that. And so I felt like, you know, as he's out there throwing um, his seventh touchdown pass, is a little bit like, yeah, we're back, you know. Look at us, Western Kentucky is is back to the program that we used to be. This is our identity. We're back here. We're, you know, we feel good about things again. And, um, I mean, you know, it, it fits in with, like, you know, modern football, all that other stuff, throwing the ball around, um, you know, being, being able to score from lots of different places. Uh, and, hey, look, 59 points, right? 59 points is, uh, was it the highest scoring Yes, it was. I, I thought so. I just want to take a quick look around, make sure nobody else scored a lot of points in, in the conference. Um, yeah, 59 points is the, puts them as the, the leader so far this season in Conference USA. Good things happening in Western Kentucky, I think. But they'll have to compete with some other good things happening. And those other good things are like, say, the two upsets. Are they upsets? Uh, I think statistically they were, um, or gambling-wise they were. Uh, Charlotte beat Duke, and UTSA beat Illinois. I think Illinois were five-point favorites at home, which is to say not very much of a, of a favorite at home. Let's talk about Charlotte first, um, because I think um, while impressive, consider, it, it wasn't that impressive, I guess, Uh yeah, um, and I, I'll ex I'll explain what I mean. Hold on, I just I just saw something silly right now, in the game book. There's a misprint. Um, all right, let's get to it. So down the stretch, right? Um, Charlotte played amazingly well, and if you saw that game, um, from like the seven minute point on, you saw big catches, big throws. Uh, was it Grant DuBose? He had three clutch catches uh, late in that seven-minute drive. 
um, including the touchdown, shaking off dudes, getting yards, big time plays, right? Um, and then, and here's where I'm like a little light <laughs> on uh, on Charlotte is that they allowed 352 yards rushing, right? Uh, I think the Duke guy, what's his name? I can't even remember his name. Um, Mateo Durant, 29 carries, 259, three scores, including a 59-yarder. And I think that 59-yarder was the one that put them up late in the game, right? So it required a big-time drive, a second big-time drive from Chris Reynolds. Uh, he hit Victor Tucker a couple times. Tucker capped off the 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 drive. Uh, you got a little swing pass. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. There was a swing pass to Bird. Victor Tucker was basically dominating on the way. Um, the Iowa transfer, right? Got the got the pass. Did a little dance. Got into the end zone. Good times, right? Um, I think you look at that. <laughs> 352 yards rushing. And it's hard to be that excited. Like it's a modified excitement about Charlotte, but. That said, um, going into the uh, this season, Will Healy had made he noted that right. He's like, look, we got whooped by Duke at Duke last season, and it's great to come in here, our first P five, uh, uh, you know, visitor in in you know in Charlotte, um, at Charlotte. And there's a lot of good things about it, but if we don't take advantage of it, then they're just you know, nothing happens out of this thing. And um, so getting the win. And then demonstrating the, that ability, right, to drive clutch late. Uh, I think even the broadcast highlighted a couple times where they did that. Uh, was it was at 19 when they, they hit a Victor Tucker for a big score against uh, North Texas, a, a decent North Texas that season. Um, you know, that kind of highlighted their ability. I, I said, look, I, I like Charlotte a lot. I think their offense is clever. They always find ways to get guys in good positions, right? It's like, you know... A lot of movement, this, that, and the other. Now all you got to do is just hit this guy who should be wide open. And I felt like Charlotte came down to a couple moments last two, three seasons, right? Basically the Will Healy era where they just needed to play well in this game, whatever game that was. And it's usually like Florida Atlantic. And they were too hyped uh, or they, they fell down a hole and they couldn't catch up or something. Something caused some problems. Uh, this one was a classic case where they could have gotten that same situation, right? Like uh, the big drive, um, you know, to get into into the lead, but then they got hit in the mouth again. And you're like, okay, well, what do we do now? Um, they drove and they scored, right? So minute 11, I think, was the drive. Uh, scored 33 seconds left. They got the ball with like a minute... Oh, I forget exactly what it was. A minute forty-four, something like that. Uh, down four, and it's it's gut check time, right? It's time to go make a play, go execute, and they did that, right? It, it's not like they just had the one good drive; they had two good drives in them, and that is incredible. Uh, good stuff there. Uh, you know, it was is it easy? Lots of opportunities to 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 basically lose in this one, and they, and they didn't. Grant Dubose, one hundred eighteen yards receiving. Um, 64 after the catch. Tucker, 133, 59 after the catch. Uh, DuBose had the two scores. Good times. I think uh, I'm concerned about the start of the game. Uh, I think they, they went into halftime down 14-10, which is not a blowout, which is good. That's an improvement there. Uh, good stuff. I, I feel like if Charlotte can, uh, yeah, I, I don't know that you can say that they met the moment, but this was an example of them doing that kind of thing. I felt like it was holding them back. I said, they're good. I like a lot of their stuff. They're deeper. They have talent. They just feel like they get in their own way sometimes. And, you know, they, they kind of drop games that they uh, they they shouldn't necessarily be based on talent and their ability, but they do because of just mental mistakes. They're not ready for the moment. They're like, oh, this, maybe this is too big for us or something. I don't know what, right? Um, it felt like they overcame something in this game. Uh, big milestone in their career. Now, is Duke very good? No, it doesn't matter. Because uh, Duke blew them out last season, so this is a little bit of a revenge game, right? And they are an ACC opponent, so there's that there too. I think that mid-tier P5 and below are all candidates for for um, <laughs> for destruction. They're all candidates for for upsets, quote unquote. And I think that uh, the Conference USA should liberally schedule those teams 
uh, you know, as many as they can. The, 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 like, you know, Oregon State, are they that good? No, they're not. Um, and, like, you look at a, a, you know, we'll talk about Illinois right now. Um, you look at Illinois, are they that much better than the best, than, than like, say, UAB or UTSA or, or even FAU and, and, you know, any of the squads that Conference USA has out there? Not really. They have depth, a little bit more depth, but, you know, they're, they're kind of hurting. And you, you remember a couple seasons ago, like, Western Kentucky whipped up on Arkansas, right? Uh, but so did North Texas. They went to Arkansas and beat them down. And that was like North Texas came in as a team that knew what they wanted to do, how they wanted to do it, and they felt like we got more talent uh, on our front line. And maybe you're deeper or something like that, but it doesn't matter because nobody really knows what they want to do. They don't know how to play right now. And they got whooped. And, like, uh, uh, you know, you saw some of that. And let's talk about this UTSA win. Go to Champaign, beat a Big Ten team. Um, you know, Illinois is not good. Uh, they, they did beat Nebraska, but Nebraska's not good either. And so I don't want to take anything away from UTSA because this is a, in the same way, it's a moment, um, 10 years uh, to the weekend that they started their program on their way. It's funny. I was at the first UTSA uh, game in, uh, was it 2011? They, the first score was a QB keeper on a read. Um, Dude scooted into the end zone. Uh, was it Eric Sosa? Uh, for the first touchdown. And this one, uh, San Antonio area kid, scores the first touchdown in this season, right? Uh, Frank Harris, uh, you know, jumps into the end zone. Same kind of way. I think it was on the opposite side, and he went to the right, and the other one went to the left. But um, there you go. What was important, I think what was the, the biggest takeaway in this one, was that UTSA played like the way Illinois wants to play. That when it came down to it, they were grinding it out. They uh, were handing the ball to their playmakers, uh, their their stud running back, and their uh, powerful wide receivers, uh, 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 Franklin, Zakari Franklin. And they were making plays. It, it looked like an NFL game, like a Big Ten game, uh, like field position, execution, running the ball. Uh, that was... Fun to see, especially for like old uh, old school kind of um, you know football fans like me and people that been been uh, uh, watching football for a long time. It was a little bit throwback. I remember like, man, I wish teams would throw the ball more. Now everybody throws the ball all the time, and so it's kind of cool to see people just run the ball a lot. Anyway, um, in this game, I, I think it's good to kind of describe it. Frank Harris gets the nine-yard touchdown to start the game. Uh, Brendan Brady gets a seven-yard score, fourteen nothing. But then Illinois says, "Okay, um, you know they score two, uh, two touchdowns in the in the second quarter." UTSA adds two field goals. It's twenty to fourteen going into half. Uh, then Illinois scores. You know, cuts it to uh, uh, um, to three late in the third, mid third. About uh, UTSA can't really score again. They're having trouble. Illinois is getting a little stout on defense. Um, the run game, not as powerful, not moving the sticks, but they're still relying on it. They get another field goal. Um, and then, um, is it 23-20, right? Uh, Illinois kicks a 53-yard field goal. It's just ridiculous field goal uh, to have that kind of range. And I think maybe that's the P5 talent, right? That's the thing. That, that dude hit two 50-plus-yard field goals. Must be nice. Um, but then big play, 12 minutes uh, in the fourth quarter, uh, Zakari Franklin takes a 19-yard touchdown, like, scoot. It was a play designed to get a yard, right? It was a little wide receiver screen. And uh, the, the Illinois quarterback, cornerback, took a bad angle. He cut inside. Franklin bounces outside, outraces everybody, touchdown. Ten-point lead, fourth quarter. And then Illinois started on their comeback thing. Um, they run down a field in two minutes, score touchdown. Uh, UTSA grinding, grinding out clock, use up five minutes of time here. Uh, and then in that classic way, if you've seen a lot of football like I have, uh, you know, when teams are stacking the line, all it takes is one guy missing the gap. And Brendan Brady scoots 33 yards for a score. It's 37-27, seemingly all over until uh, Illinois goes down, kicks a field goal with two minutes left. They finally learn how to stop uh, UTSA late. A quick, uh, quick, Sequence where they, they uh, I think, basically held them to a yard in three plays. 
call timeouts all three times, and then drive all the way down the field, execute, 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 but couldn't get the final the final score. Uh, there was probably an ill-advised run play up the middle. I think they were trying to just catch UTSA off guard. It's one of those things where if it works, it's it's you know clever and, and classic and gutsy, and if it doesn't, then people make fun of you on Twitter. But other than that, it came down to a final 25-yard toss into the end zone that was incomplete. Illinois drops their game at home to UTSA. Um, UTSA looked like the Big Ten team here, um, the way they played, the way they controlled the game the whole time. And, you know, that's, that's pretty typical considering that uh, Illinois is, like, rebuilding their squad in, in uh, Bielema's image, and UTSA is sort of a built team already. Uh, Sincere McCormick, 31 carries, 127 yards. Again, classic Big Ten kind of run, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball kind of kind of stat line there. Uh, Brendan Brady was a change of pace back, and, and he's the one that got the big runs, right? But anyway, um, really good game by Frank Harris. 20 of 32, 280, one score. Didn't really make mistakes. Um, you know, just really good game by UTSA on the road. Um is this that impressive? No. In the grand scheme, we know football people know that Illinois is not that good. You know, they're they're a uh, they're a team in progress. Uh, in a few years, if uh, Bielma is able to continue to build his squad, they will be more formidable, more deep, more talent. Uh, but right now, they are easy pickings. And so, I, <laughs> if you're a schedule maker for UTSA, right? If you plan to be good and continue to be good, any the teams in conference USA. Just look at that bottom half of the schedule, or maybe maybe bet against Bielema. Um, look at these squads, uh, you know, like Mississippi State every once in a while, Vanderbilt definitely, um, you know, Oregon State, uh, Washington State. Uh, Washington just got beat by Montana State. They were ranked number 20. Um, but, like, those teams, they're not ever that good. You know, take on Northwestern. They're never that good. Uh, they have... Every five, six years, uh, you know, they get into the top ten. They're pretty good at, like, senior-laden squad, that kind of thing. But they're eminently beatable. Do it. Go find them. Beat them. Um, you know, speaking of quality squads, at least in the past couple of years, Navy. Navy got whooped by Marshall. And I was talking a little mess. I wasn't talking mess. I just said I was a little skeptical of Marshall because of the, the change. Right? You got Charles Huff out there, new guy, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, roster turnover in a lot of areas. But, man, they just whooped. 49-7, uh, didn't allow that seven till late in the game. Um, they came prepared, ready to play. Um, only 100 yards rushing for the herd, but 363 yards passing for them. And I think maybe the difference was the, the lack of conservative play calling, right? The... The knock on on uh, Doc Holliday era Marshall was that, you know, he was like, "Oh, it looks like we're gonna win. Let's kind of hold on to this lead and 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 not, you know, not lose it." Whereas, um, I mean, it looks like they're out here trying to throw the ball. Yeah, I think uh, Luke Zabin threw for a TD when they were up, uh, you know, up big already. Now, what does that mean? I don't know. I don't know what it means. It's it's aggressive. Um, you know, 363 yards passing combined, right? I think 333 for Grant Wells. Uh, he did throw a couple interceptions. But overall good performance. Like, you look at that number, 49-7, uh, and they were up throughout the game. Was It, it was like, uh, did they get, when did they give up that touchdown? Yeah, it was like, it was late. It was in the fourth quarter, yeah. There was, it was like 28 nothing. Or something like this. I forget. I'm forgetting. It's a lot of games. My apologies. Um, let me just look it up. Yeah, it was. Yeah, there we go. Twenty-eight nothing, um, and then just kind of dominating the fourth quarter. Uh, just kept the foot on the gas. Good stuff from Marshall overall, right? I, I think Navy has been a good program. Uh, I think in the last five years they they kind of fell off a little bit, but they're always difficult to prepare for. Like Army is the new Navy now, right? Navy we had to run for about 10 years where they were just the dominant service academy. Now Army's one where you're like, man, they're tough. Uh, if you get beat by them, that's that's big time. Um, you know, big time program over there. Uh, Navy, not so much anymore. But still, 
quality win, quality start from Marshall. I think uh, I'm still a little concerned about how they'll play the rest of the way against other other teams that kind of know them a little bit better. I just like know the roster a little bit, right? Um, you know, we'll see. Marshall started out real hot last year, and we saw what happened. Um, that will be the real change, right? Um, maybe this little change in attitude, like, no, we, we expect to win. We're, we're going to win. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's new, new conversations being had. Uh, same message, different voice. New message, different voice. I don't know. I don't know exactly. But the herd looked really good. Um, that was a concern. I think that, you know, much like I was saying, Charlotte had some concerns, right? You know, like, can they get over this mental hurdle? And if they can, look out. Um, I don't want to make any big declarations right now after week one, but still, I think the herd are trending a little bit more positively than I thought they were early in the season. Um, you know, I, I didn't mention the Friday game. Wake Forest whipped up on Old Dominion. That is... I mean, honestly, it ain't much to say about that one. Uh, Old Dominion looks second best the whole time. You know, uh, not much there. Didn't look like he can throw or pass, really compete with Wake Forest, and that's it. 42 to 10 was the final there. Uh, non good. Uh, you know, it was another game. This one was a loss. Rice lost 38 17 to Arkansas, but they were in this game. They were in this game for a long time, and it looked like some things were going to happen. Um, what was it? 17-all in the third quarter, right? Uh, and then in the fourth, just turnover, turnover, turnover. Arkansas scored 21 in the fourth. Just kind of one going away. But Rice looked, what's the word? They didn't look dangerous, but they looked like the team when I say they didn't look dangerous, it they didn't look like, oh, man, they're just, you know, they look like they can score from anywhere, that kind of thing. But they were hanging around. Um, they were making it tough. They didn't look uh, overawed by the occasion, by the venue, by the, the talent in front of them. They looked ready to play. Um, you know, there's a lot of questions about their execution here and there, but good things happened. I saw a lot of good things there. Uh, mostly, again, their attitude. That's that's really it. I think they outgained Arkansas in a lot of uh, in in like first downs and they didn't run the ball too well. They threw the ball pretty well. Pretty uh, they threw the ball pretty well up until you know they are throwing interceptions, turned the ball over, just kind of a collapse, which is disappointing because it's the same thing, right? If we're saying well coming in what are the expectations we expected rice to be good solid better than they have been and then finally kind of you know start winning games and, and stop being the team that man they sure did look good on their way to zero and five start um but they looked a little bit like that again right played well if you watch the game for three quarters you were like man rice looks pretty decent hanging around and then they ultimately lose right not good for Rice, but uh, encouraging signs. I suppose if you're not tired of encouraging signs and like to see some Ws. Um, but they're smart enough to, to know that. All right. Another encouraging sign from a program. Um, Louisiana Tech Bulldogs, the good dogs. Uh, this is simultaneously disappointing, right? Because you, you're up 20 uh, and then you, you, you blow it. But it's also encouraging uh, because you're up 20. <laughs> they, you know, the, the big question for Louisiana Tech coming to the season was how well they could get these guys, a bunch of new guys on their team, to gel and become a team. Um, Skip Holtz had mentioned this at, at Media Days. He said that's what it's all about. Um, you know, they're looking, uh, you know, how is everybody, how are the older guys helping the younger guys? How's everybody, you know, melding as a team? Will they be able to do that? Uh, that's the focus, not even on anything else. They're just they're just trying to make sure that everybody knows how they do things and if they can do them. Uh, so far, so good, I would say, by the 13-minute uh, mark in the fourth quarter when they got a field goal to go up 34-14. Right? Everything looked like it's upset time, uh, beating Mike Leach's team on the road. A couple factors in here, right? I, I tweeted this. It's difficult to know how to rate this game because Mike Leach teams are notoriously weird starters, right? 
And I think uh, uh, you know, friend of the show, Lot Tech Report uh, on Twitter was like, yeah, but you know, Mississippi State did whoop up on LSU last year. Don't forget that. Uh, and to which I will remind you, and I, I told him this too. Uh, they, you know, Mississippi State went on to, you know, be awful the rest of the way, right? Like that's kind of the deal. There is that he either loses to an FCS team on the way to becoming like the 17th ranked team in the country, or beats the defending national champs on their way to becoming one of the worst teams in the country, right? That's the Mike Leach show. Um, you know, everybody remembers that uh, Mike Leach, you know, Graham Harold to Michael Crabtree upset in 2007 over Texas, right? Uh, but they don't remember that a, a couple weeks later they got whooped <laughs> at Oklahoma. So they were the number one team in the nation for like a week. Um, that's the Mike Leach story. <sighs> Here, uh, they're also known for comebacks. That's, that's the problem. Uh, I mentioned this on another show, but... The thing about, like, the Air Raid and Mike Leach teams that I enjoy watching is how... One reason, and also, that they, they're so good at coming back uh, is their the ability to just execute, right? That Louisiana Tech went up 20. Mississippi State didn't really change their offense. They just executed a little bit better. I don't know. And I was sort of half watching because I was kind of watching some other games, too. So I didn't watch it that closely. But it looked like Tech kind of just at that point, played to not lose and not necessarily playing to win. And that could be just a matter of opinion in my, you know, not good opinion. So, um, But I thought, especially at that point when, and I know there was like a call, like Louisiana Tech should have got uh, like a holding call. And um, uh, there was like a holding call and like um, it wasn't called, right? You're not going to get that call on the road in Starkville. Um, and that's you can't you can't let that be the end of it. I thought the some of the play calling choices, especially late when they're just kind of playing for a field goal, I thought that was like asking to lose. You know, they were just uh, running the ball to the middle of the field, and I get it. You're like, well, we don't necessarily believe in our team just yet. We don't know if everybody believes in each other. They just they just take the field goal. I thought that was risky in its conservatism, you know? But whatever. That's not what won or lost the game. I just thought that contributed to losing the game at that point. Uh, you had them on the ropes, man. I think you you try to go for the win. And uh, I think they were just like, well, they just kind of settled down. And, and, and then, you know, the flood of uh, the comeback kind of got them. Uh, I mean, Mississippi State scored real quick, too. Uh, was it 59 seconds after the field goal for a score? Uh, and then three minutes, 25 seconds on the next, next draft. Um, and then the one to, to tie it, two minutes, 30 seconds. It was just boom, 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 down the field. Um, again, good news, Louisiana Tech, you had them down 20. Bad news is obviously you lost. Uh, and this is kind of a thing. I think, uh, again, Louisiana Tech report, uh, you know, keeper of the, of the record, I guess. He he brought up the, against Arkansas when they lost by one, and uh, against I forget South Carolina I think they lost by one. It's they're just kind of a curse or something, <laughs> I don't know. But uh, Austin Kendall ran for seventy-seven yards, um, threw for two seventy about, and a score. Uh, not a bad day from him. The new starter there, he's only going to get better, I think. Um, you know, just um, solid day from from Louisiana Tech and and. In another, I don't know, like flip a coin, another universe, we're talking about what a victory that was. Uh, you know, outstanding, good day for Conference USA, that kind of thing. Uh, I still think they're one of the better teams in the division in the West, so uh, not much to worry about. I don't think Louisiana Tech was really going to compete for the college football playoff, right? So this is otherwise meaningless. Other, you know, There's a lot of meaning to it. It meant something that people care, but you know what I'm saying. Um, let's move on. The Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders of uh, Murfreesboro, right? 50 to 15 winners over Monmouth. Not much to say about this one, I don't think. Uh, I mean, it's Monmouth. It's Middle Tennessee. Uh, we're still waiting for Middle Tennessee to do something like this against a quality opponent. But we'll just note that they won. They threw for 248. Uh, they ran for 89. Not 
outstanding, I guess, right? You know, total offensive yards, 337. Again, not outstanding, not amazing stuff there. Um, okay, 146 yards on the ground. The, was it, in uh, 248 receiving, right, or passing. Bailey Cockman threw for 215, three touchdowns, 17 to 22. That's that's fine. Look, I'm not going to get excited about this. It's great they scored 50, but, um, you know, the, the question about Middle Tennessee is whether or not they can be consistent. They Over the past couple seasons, they've been scoring 50, you know, running for 500 yards or whatever it was, and then the next game uh, getting blown out and not being able to move the ball at all. Uh, cool. Good for them. Good for Middle Tennessee. We're, we still have more to see from them, right? So, moving on. Uh, I, I won't mention too much of this game because it was boring. Florida dominated the FAU uh, Owls in this one, 35-14. It was like 21 nothing for a long time. Um, you know, every time I tune in, it was just, you know, they're just like, hey, look at, look at uh, um, you know, Urban Meyer. And he cool. And like, oh, yeah, it's so fun, whatever. Very meh, very boring. Uh, not a whole lot going on in this game. They look second best. They look like they didn't really belong on the field with them, um, which is concerning because I thought FAU would be a little bit more competitive. Um, and, like, I, I figured they'd lose, but not in this kind of way. Like, they'd maybe show some things, kind of compete a little bit, and they're like, okay, Florida's just better. Uh, instead, it was just like they really got nothing. Now, you can say, well, they they held Florida to only 21, right? And maybe, yeah, maybe that's the case. I think they're still good enough to win the East in Conference USA. But uh, overall, I mean, it was boring to watch. I can just tell you that much. Um, so let's move on. Let's not talk too much about that one. How about them uh, Southern Miss Golden Eagles stinking up the joint in uh, South Alabama? That was also another boring game, I can say. Just call it out. Um you know, I kept watching, waiting for something to happen. I'd see uh, a little dance here and there, you know, a nice little play. And I was like, oh, okay, uh, is maybe this is the start of the comeback. No, it turns out it was not. Uh, Trey Lowe, 133 yards passing, two interceptions, not good. Frank Gord, 19 carries, 81 yards, mediocre. Yeah, it's four yards to carry. I mean, southern, uh, southern, south Alabama. Uh, you know, pretty much owned this game start to finish. Uh, it was not the most entertaining game on either side. There was some quality de- defensive plays by, by Southern Miss here and there. But overall, I think everybody's pretty disappointed by the the, the play in this one. Um, I expected more of Southern Miss. Was that, you know, the Jags having a superior defense? I don't know. Right. Uh, you know, Will Hall says, uh, you know, blame me. I'm going to call the plays. Uh, you know, I'm going to be the guy. Well, okay, well, you can blame him. Seven points. Uh, you know, is he ready to take it? Because uh, that was bad. It was non good. I still think Southern Miss is maybe, maybe in the conversation in the West. I got a UAB, U- UTSA, um, and then whoever of like Louisiana Tech, if they can solve their issue of gelling, it looks like they can, right? Early. North Texas, we'll talk about them in a second. Southern Miss in there, you know, kind of depending. Uh, you know, I expected more from Southern Miss, and now I'm a little bit down on them. Uh, I also expected more from, from North Texas, and, uh, well, like I said, we'll get to them in a second. UTEP is 2-0, and but an unimpressive 2-0, and which is very typical of UTEP. So that's kind of it. And then Rice, I expected Rice to be in that conversation, and they looked solid in this one. An impressive uh, 21-point loss, right? Um, so, you know, the West is formidable. I could see that shaking out anyway. And given the fact that every team, like, outside of UAB and probably UTSA has, like, a glaring weakness or a glaring question or something that just, you know, an Achilles heel, except it's not even Achilles heel, it's like Achilles lower half, um, you're going to be like, okay, well, it makes sense, right? Um, that's what's going to lose it. They can shake out any kind of way. And on their day, like, you can see how a Rice team would beat you. You can see how a Louisiana Tech would beat a UAB. You can see those things happening, but you also can see, well, you know, that's if things go right. You know, if you get the sweet spot, um, you know, like if it's a, it's a bat, but you can also see them shanking it. Anyway, let's talk about North Texas 
and uh, their game. They hosted the Northwestern State Demons. And now on its face, it looks not a whole lot different than, say, Middle Tennessee scoring 50, uh, you know, against uh, Monmouth or, or uh, Wake, Wake Forest, sorry, or WKU getting 59 against UT Martin. And in a lot of ways, it wasn't, right? It, there, was some, there was a slow start. North Texas, uh, like the league's best offense, right, total offense last season, um, you know, put up a lot of yards, another 500-yard effort for them. But you look deeper, you look closer at it. Uh, you know, they ran the ball well, and it was basically a one-man show. DeAndre Torrey, 25 touches, 245 yards on the ground, three scores. And, uh, you know, Austin Ani, Jace Reuter, that combination, uh, it, it was an or on the depth chart. Last year was Austin Ani, Jason Bean, and the two combined to have, like, the best quarterback play in the in the league. Uh, but, you know, again, they were swapped for each other because there were some bad, there were some stinkers in there, right? It was like, oh, man, look, interception. Bench that dude, bring the other guy in, and that guy threw for a touchdown or two. Um, in this one, Jace Reuter, the transfer from North Carolina, 10 of 22, two picks, 131 yards, and a score. Very unimpressive. He was behind his receivers all game. Um, if you're familiar with North Texas, they have basically like, uh, was it Jair Shorter, kind of a, a guy that was dominating before he got hurt last season. Um, Jalen Darden is now on the Bucks, uh, so nobody to save the day there. Uh, and then you looked over, Deon, uh, Deontay Simpson is supposed to be kind of his replacement, so everybody was excited to see him. He did not play. Uh, and then Tommy Bush, the transfer from Georgia, he got two catches for 21 yards, and he kind of looked lost sometimes, so... Guy named Roderick Burns, like fifth dude on the roster, six catches, 114 yards. And so the question about North Texas is and was whether or not this team can continue to do the offensive stuff that they have been doing and by no means is 567 yards and, and 44 points a bad thing. But it looks like it came the hardest way that you can do that, right? It's like, man, it sure seemed like a struggle to get 44. And you can see the potentials there for, you know, 50, 60, an easy 50 or 60 um, once they figure it out. So it's early in the season. You can say, well, you got a lot of time to figure it out. Um, and typically North Texas teams coached by Seth Luttrell figure it out offensively, even if they're not efficient in doing so. Question has been and will be, is that defense going to be the worst team in the nation the way they were last year? Where uh, I think it's seven, eight guys either set a career best or their second, their second highest total of their career. Like it's basically get your get your yards in, right? Here's a highlight film, and like everybody's highlight film last year is against North Texas. Um, would that be the case? Well, let me tell you what they allowed a 65-yard touchdown, uh, and they allowed a like a 30-yard touchdown. Uh, actually, um, yeah, 36-yard rush. Typical kind of stuff. Guy falls down, easy score. There were some signs that North Texas had it sort of figured out. They got into the backfield. They made some stops. Um, there was good technique and not just guys, like, flailing around or trying to do hit stick on people. Uh, you know, it was solid tackling. So, I mean, if you're a North Texas fan, you're probably thinking, well, I saw improvement. I feel sort of good, but not great. And that's about it. So, um, you know, in the, in the meter of who's going to be dark horse in the, in the West, right now you look at, like, Louisiana Tech and say, man, maybe they're going to be real good. But it sure does look like UAB and UTSA are in a two-horse race. And, you know, we'll, we'll learn some things about U, uh, UNT and UAB uh, two weeks from now when they, they square off. Uh, North Texas takes on, like, SMU next week. And uh, I can't remember UAB's next opponent. Let me look at it right now. I'm selecting on UAB. Where's their schedule? Here we go. Um, yeah, at Georgia. Yeah, I knew there was somebody important. Um, Georgia, obviously, is a, is a real test, right? There's, there's a couple ways to look at this, right? You're like, oh, man, you know, they take on Georgia. Georgia just whipped up on Clemson. Um, you know, they're, they're tough, a lot of talent, et cetera, et cetera. But... Um, yeah, I, I think that UAB is kind of ready for a dogfight. You know, they, they don't mind an ugly game. The question is, like, will they be able to move the ball at all uh, and, and admit to, to try to make it happen uh, against the Georgia? We'll see. 
um, you know, nobody here, nobody in this conference is is really looking at a likely playoff, college football playoff, even in the 12-team one right now. I don't think anybody would qualify. Um, but UAB, your Marshall, Florida Atlantic, UTSA, those are your, your candidates. Those are the top four teams in this league, in the division. Um, yeah, I don't know that they're, they're ready to compete at the, at the highest level, right? I mean, just again, right, you're like, well, maybe you're saying, what do you mean, Adam? Uh, my UTSA Roadrunners just beat Illinois on the road in Illinois. Uh, you know, Illinois is not that good, right? And uh, it took, uh, you know, some key plays down the stretch to get a win over there. So, you know, could you beat an Ohio State? Probably not, right? Could you beat uh, in Alabama? Probably not. Uh, you know, same thing with, with Louisiana Tech. You blew a lead to Mississippi State, which is not really expected to do much in that, in that uh, conference, right? So how good are you really? Probably not that good. And that's fine. That's an okay place to be. Uh, yeah, I mentioned this previously, right? Like, I think if the pandemic did anything for anybody, gave everybody just a little bit of perspective that the Conference USA title is there for the taking. Um, nobody really looks back and says, you know what? That, uh, you know, that 1985 season... I mean, that was a weak title, really. No, nobody cares about that. You see, you look and you see the trophies. Who won? Who lost? Um, that's what matters. And uh, winning Conference USA, and even if you want to say it's a terrible conference, well, then go win the terrible conference. Enjoy it. Um, you know, make it a priority. Try to win it. Uh, be proud of it. Enjoy it and celebrate it. Um, it's not a terrible thing. So, in the, in the Conference USA race... It's looking like UAB and then uh, and then Marshall right now. Those are the East-West candidates. Second, you got UTSA. And then over in, in the in the in the East, I mean, Charlotte, I guess, right? It's kind of weird. I mean, FAU looked very terrible, but I'll think about it a little bit more. I'm going to write up a nice little power rankings. We'll write about it. Be sure to subscribe, like it, share it with your friends. Uh, tell your mom about it. Uh, you know, there's some uh, some solid Conference USA podcasts in this uh, in this league and around the you know the internets. But I think a lot of them are very team specific. On this one, we'll talk about all of them, every single one of them, even the bad ones like UTEP. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the show. See you next week.